Hello and welcome to Rebel FM, episode 216. No, it's not that. 200 and something. 200, over 200. We're over 200. Over, uh, that's like... I'm not looking, but I think it's 226. I thought it was oh. like 224. Anyways. Nobody cares. We're going to talk about video games. It's a late show because... Arthur has been just fucking gallivanting around the world. <laughs> just taking all the time to just go and fucking... Having no thought or consideration for the rest of us whatsoever. No. Whoa. No, really not. Good. That's how it should be. Yeah, it's exactly how it should be. Especially when you're in Hawaii. How was yeah. your break video games? Um, well, I reinstalled threes on my iPad. That oh, was a right. mistake. But I did get the highest score that I've ever gotten, like, the second game after reinstalling it, so... What'd you get? It's like 65,000. Holy shit! That's not a real number. <laughs> so, so it was a win, really, is what I'm saying. Hawaii brought out the threes player in me. Um, oh, it was... so intros. We skipped intros. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Anthony Gallegos, by the way. The man who played threes all times. That was Arthur. Uh, geese. And then... And then uh, I'm also joined by Matt Chandrenay. Hi, this is me. As well as Mitch Dyer. Video games. So. Mitch, you sound terrible. I'm tired. New mic. No, I know. Um, we're doing a Skype cast today because we were also remote. Yep. For most of the week. And because Mitch and I have our Dota League thing after this, our recreational series. Congratulations to Poutine King Bar on their 2-0 victory. <laughs> <laughs> Can I can I observe your match after this? Yeah, you can watch all of the recreational live on Twitch.tv slash recreational. Can I observe it in in engine? Because that's where I like it. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can watch all the client. Fuck yeah. You can like the world can't unfortunately, but next time. Um, how, how come the world can't? Because we're it's it's not it's yeah. Uh, it's anyways. stupid. Gotcha. Uh, so we've all been playing video games. It's Gamescom this week. None of us are there, obviously. <laughs> um, but the only exciting announcement that I've seen since C3 for me is that there's a new Silent Hill game coming. Um, pretty cool. I'm not totally necessarily a huge Kojima fan um, of his work since Metal Gear Solid 2. But I did play PT, which is, stands for Playable Teaser, the thing that's on PlayStation 4 and you can download right now. And if that is indicative of the direction, at least, they want to take the game, whether or not it's indicative of, like, actual gameplay, I'm pretty... That actually made me really excited. Because, obviously, it's a Kojima production, but it's obviously being made by a huge team of Japanese dudes, many of which you've probably never heard of, but they're still, obviously, very talented. Did Um, you have to pay for PT? Nope, PT is free, and and it takes about... Depending on how lost you go or how much of a guide you use, it'll take you just over an hour, probably, to complete... Um, is it uh, part of? Uh, is it PlayStation Plus free or is it free? No, it's, it's free. No, no, free. It's, it is a free. It's, it is it's, a demo. it's a demo. Yeah. It's a commercial. Yeah, gotcha. but well, but it's but it's very. It is a game. You can beat it. it has objectives, um, and but it's 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 also like the, you know, as like someone who's worked with uh, us thinking, how can we reuse assets over and over and over? <laughs> it is fucking brilliant because the entire game takes place in one length of hallway. It goes down about 50 yards, mm-hmm. makes a right for about 30 yards or something like that, mm-hmm. and then that's it. That's the entire game. And then except, there are pockets of, like, little rooms. Except, uh, yeah, except there's, like, a, off that hallway is, like, a bathroom and, a, like, a front 
the front door area. But it takes place in this one hallway, and what happens is you're going in a loop, and at the end of the hallway, there's a door. And sometimes what you have to do to get the door to open so you can continue to progress changes over time. So sometimes it might be as simple as observing something, and then you're like you'll hear some weird fucked up audio. Then the door will be openable, that sort of thing. One time, but it always loops back in on itself, like as if your character's kind of like stuck in limbo in a way, and uh, or in practice, yeah, as the case may be. Yes, yeah, but I'm saying, but that's the cool thing, right? Is this our experience takes place all in that one hallway, and then all they're doing is changing things like lighting, or maybe when they reload the hallway between one loop and the next. Now there's like fucked up stuff all over the walls. The paintings have all changed. And a lot of it's just about setting that ambiance that if you have been someone like me that's played Silent Hill since pretty much the beginning, you know, it's, I think it's kind of them just saying like, look, we get what makes Silent Hill Silent Hill. Like you want fucked up radio sounds. You want ambient audio. You want us just to, and you want it to be fucking weird. Like there's like a weird dead looking baby monster thing in the sink. That's just like this weird creature that, that makes no sense. That's but always been a, so I think it does make sense because when you think so. about this in terms of like a Silent Hill game, typically what that is about is about kind of a mirror version of the main character. Most of those games are about them as people, and the physical representations of the stuff in the world is like the, things that they did usually. Yeah, and in the very beginning, the first thing you hear as you walk into this house, because you wake up and it's you, there's like this weird text about going through a door, and you wake up and it's very dark and there's just this door that's cracked open and as soon as you open the door somebody on the radio starts talking about a man who murdered his wife and his kid and his wife was pregnant and he shot them both so maybe it's like a fetus is what you're saying yeah well she was pregnant the whole time right so i'm thinking like oh maybe this is his guilt for killing this baby or maybe it's not him at all maybe he's just exploring somebody else's thing but it's clearly something about going insane because you're doing this loop and you're just seeing the same thing over and over and no matter how much you complete you're kind of always in the same place yeah but dealing it, with the same shit it gets increasingly fucked up as it goes on with like some really crazy imagery that like is really surprising uh, it, it like imagery that i think shows like okay so guillermo de toro is involved and it's like here's some stuff that he learned from making that movie mama that's like stuff <laughs> and then you have weird like kojima is obviously a very weird dude and there's like very weird gameplay like that. The only part of it that I think drives me crazy is that the game never really tells you. It has no, like, tutorial whatsoever. And so I was wandering around the hallway and I could not get anything to trigger. And it's because you have to examine things by holding in R3 to, like, zoom in on it. It never tells you that. Yeah. So I didn't understand how to interact with the world. But then once you interact with the world, like, obviously it's it's a demo and it's, like, it's not a real game. So I'll say that, like, I don't want to be too harsh on it, but I will say the one annoying part about it is that Sometimes to get through one section of it, it'll turn into almost like a pixel hunt of you holding R3 on things to be like, what's the thing that I haven't looked at? And then by the end of the game, it gets so batshit insane that you pretty much can't beat it without a guide. Like, I mean, they made it intentionally so that it was going to be one of... They wanted it to be a crowdsourced thing. Like, people were going to have to crowdsource together to figure out how to actually get through it. And by the end, it involves nothing short of like, move here, stand still for five seconds then you know like wait till the controller stops rumbling and do this and then talk into your microphone like all the like it's like <laughs> shit this... you would never know exactly and uh <laughs> but it's it is just a really cool horror experience and i think if you play through it if you have a playstation 4 there's no reason not to it it is full of like truly terrifying moments and i will say that that fox engine granted it's that same little asset being repeated all over and over again 
But man, that that shit looks fucking good. There's a couple yeah. times, especially in screenshots, I'd be like, "Is that real life?" Like it will actually have those moments. <laughs> it's kind of silly. Um, yeah, I mean, so. you turn the corner and you see the woman at the end of the hallway. And you're like, "What? It's too real." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's it's pretty cool. I would rec- I would definitely if that's like something that you like to play scary games. Like I would say, it's <sighs> it's cool. It's free and. It makes me excited to actually see what this team would actually do with the Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Especially because in this, you know, it's very un-Silent Hill in the sense that every Silent Hill, uh, except for uh, uh, Shattered Memories for Wii, was all, like, combat, you know? Beating things with pipes, blah, 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 getting the knife, you know, finding the sledgehammer. Um, and Shattered Memories was all about running, and in this, I will say, there's no combat whatsoever, which is pretty interesting. It is very much more like focused on that idea of of you just being part of this really fucked up environment and trying to discover what happened which i think has always been a kind of understated part of other silent hill games the story was almost secondary sometimes to just getting like you know you were like oh i'm going through this creepy environment and they'd be like and this is why james was so fucked up and you're like what i don't think i really understood this is (laughs) like we want the narrative to be can you fail this demo no um is there a release window for this game yet (laughs) No. Uh, so for the fucking game Kojima is currently making. So I would I would just throw out there that there is a good chance, maybe not the most amazing chance, but a pretty good chance that one of the reasons there's no combat and nothing but exploration in this is because none of that is coded yet. I would like, agree with that. I'm just saying that to that, me, I hope that there ends up being no combat because I was to me I felt like it nailed that. But I agree with you, Arthur. It is obviously very early. There's all kinds of buggy things in it. Like you can walk up to a door jam. And there's obvious like character like collision problems where the camera will freak out and stuff. I'm saying it, it is it is very much like a tech demo rather than a game. It's just like they took a very limited feature set and made like this little hour long experience that to me is like this is what I would if this was back when I was working at Zombie, this is what we would have made to take to somebody to be like give us a million dollars, you know, so we can make a real game. Like also this is a first person game, like this is a very different kind of yeah, game that exactly. Hill is. And I think the whole point of the reveal at the end, when you find that weird teaser for Silent Hills with Norman Reedus, the whole thing is like the camera pulls out, it does like the third person over the shoulder Silent Hill thing, and then it zooms in and shows you his face. Like this is not what Silent Hills is going to be. I no. guarantee you, Silent Hills. Is you not. do not put Norman Reedus in a game and make it first person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Although that also confuses me because last time I checked, everyone fucking hates the Walking Dead TV show. Well, yeah, but, but he's the only they, good thing they, about they, it. Exactly, they hate Walking Dead sometimes, but everyone loves Norman Reedus. And like, they didn't, they didn't Norman cast Reedus him. The he's the redneck brother, the he's younger redneck. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't Norman cast Reedus. Norman Reedus in this for his wonderful turn in Boondock Saints, uh, <laughs> or Blade Two. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, wow. he was Scud in Blade Two. He was the sidekick in Blade yeah. Two. Deep cut right there. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. He orders Krispy Kremes from America in a FedEx box. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I, I've never. Um, uh, I've only beaten one Silent Hill game, and uh, I really enjoyed the experience. Uh, but the the one thing that I definitely always latched onto, and that I could never quite wrap my head around, which I, I think was always intentional, was just you know, the creepy monsters. You know, like they're their weird amalgamation of shapes and body parts and blood and textures and everything. It never made quite 
that never made any kind of logical sense, but at the same time, you're like, ah, this thing is moving toward me in a really bizarrely human way. I don't really understand this. Yeah, well, how, say, uh, Evil Within has that sort of going on for it, you know, like mm-hmm. weird enemies with like safes on their heads and shit like that. That's so <laughs> weird. But yeah. uh, I would say that this has this this little tech demo is very obviously about one supernatural entity, mm-hmm. and you encounter her over and over and over again, mm-hmm. and and they focus a lot on her and so it's uh it's less about like the enemy itself being this weird fucked up Silent Hill thing but mm. the the environments are super Silent Hill in the sense like you'll be looking at a radio and all of a sudden the transmission will be like the father killed his daughter with blah 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 and then a radio will break in and be like turn around right now and it'll be like you know, <laughs> so, and it's just like weird so it's just like Silent Hill used to do that too you know where yeah. it, it would have like weird radio transmissions and it would go from being yeah. like uh, general to being very personally targeted towards you yeah. you know or it'd be like like there was like one part in Silent Hill 2 where you're like in an elevator and it's like this weird fucking game show and oh it's my like, god it's, I forgot about the game show and it's like okay, you know that's the one I beat thing because I remember that scene right and so it's like you know really bizarre things like that and this definitely hits on some of those really weird overtures of like of like breaking reality into something where it's like what why would this ever happen i mean i can't imagine kojima making a silent hill game less freudian yeah sure of course. <laughs> so, so I, but like i said it is it is just this little teaser thing but but very cool you know and honestly i had yeah. to use ign's guide to get through it so. has it been clarified whether kojima's involvement is like lords of shadow kojima involvement or is he know. taking a more direct I mean, role his, i don't think so. it's, it's a kojima first. productions that's I mean, all. Yeah, you know what I mean? His studio is making the game. So it's like, but it could be very well be like a creative director in his studio, Arthur. You know, and and Kojima maybe just has, you know, it's like it's like how much direct involvement does Guillermo del Toro have? You know, I'm wondering if it's more like here's the art direction we're taking the main character, and it's like Guillermo del Toro is like, ah, I think it should be more like monster, monster this, you know. But it's like I doubt he's going to be sitting there in the studio. Well, also he's got like 14 different things in production right now. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like they attach these big names to it. But the large bulk of the work, my guess, is going to be done by some Japanese dudes we've never yeah. even heard of. Sort of like how uh, every movie is J.J. Abrams now. It's yeah. Silent Hills subtitle. Konami has a quarterly report to make. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like the music is going to be done by the original composer in Silent Hills always said. Well, I didn't see Yamaoka's name anywhere. No, I mean, it plays the Silent Hill theme under the logo, but... yeah. I mean, I think for the last two games, it's been somebody else. Like, they shit-canned him, I thought, and kicked him off that series oh really that's what he gets for being the best part of it yeah the music in those games was always so again so fucking weird but yeah that that game's that game's uh really cool i've been enjoying that and uh and besides that i mean honestly i've still just been making my way through the last of us remastered and donkey kong tropical freeze donkey kong country tropical freeze on wii u which is nice to finally use my wii u but man (laughs) people were not kidding that game is hard as balls yeah, it's so like, hard. like good hard as balls or bad mechanics hard as balls. Oh no, it's 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 not that it's unfair or anything like that. It's yeah. just that so previous Donkey Kong Country games were always a challenge too, mm-hmm. but every level in Donkey Kong Country, it's like it almost feels like they had like a team of level designers, mm. and everyone was always trying to one up each other of like how crazy can we make the last twenty seconds of every level? Because every <laughs> every like last twenty seconds of a level usually is a part that is like do it perfectly or die yeah. and so that that's gets to be a little crazy sometimes especially because if you run out of lives in the level you start all the way over there's no checkpoints like oh if, my God. If, if that if there are checkpoints <laughs> if you have lives but when you run out of lives 
Right. Start all the way over. It t- it tells you to get fucked is what it does. I, I feel like the platformer <laughs> is the only genre that could ever get away with that. Like having that big sprint at the end where it's like you can do it, you can do it, do this crazy shit. It's really hard. No nope. fail. If you do that in shooters, if you do that in like most other genres, I feel like it'd be goddamn infuriating. Yeah, of course. I mean, and and this is very much you know retro being very. You know, they're very good, right? They're very good at giving treatments to the games that they're making, being like making sure they keep the feel of it. And this definitely feels like an old, rare, you know, Donkey Kong Country game. And it's, and it is good for co op, though I think it's, it sucks in a way because, like, if you're playing with someone who's uh, maybe not as good at platformers, you know, every time they die, that takes away from your life bubbles. And so it's like, it's, if you're playing co op, it's almost a liability in a way because you go through life so much faster. Yeah. And you are way more likely to get that game. So are you saying that your co-op partner is a liability? No, I'm saying that <laughs> I'm saying that it's just that playing co-op in general is a liability because uh. you're, if I screw up or they screw up, we're going to go through life. So if you're playing by yourself and you die, you only go through one. Like life. there's that mechanic where you attach to the other yes, person, and that and that and, is like, and I could never figure out how to detach. Oh, we got that down. We got the detach de- detach <laughs> down. There's clearly times where we're playing where it'll be like. We'll play. We'll get to a section. And I'll be like, "This looks really hard." Attach, and we'll you know form one fucking mega Shiva so that we can get through, yeah. uh, <laughs> through the the parts. So, but yeah, the game's really fun. But honestly, I've I've not been playing anything crazy, new, or exciting. You know, so you guys are the ones. Who Mitch and I this. have. I was gonna say, yeah, you guys. I want to hear about uh, about that Call of Duty. That that Call but, of Duty. Uh, yeah. I played advanced. One of those weird. I played advanced warfare last week. I played the multiplayer. Um, wow, that is a very different game in a lot of ways, and a so, frustratingly similar game in other ways. I'm a huh. hater. I'm a hater, and uh, you know, I just think that it's it's just this huge piece of shit. Why? How is it any different than what comes every year, Arthur? Um, how is this garbage any fucking? <laughs> so basic player capability is totally different uh, because not only do you have double jumps, you have uh, dashing, uh, which can go in any direction. Is it like a jetpack dash? Um, sort of, although it's instantly triggered. Um, How does the double jump work? You hit jump again while you're in the air. So it's it's uh, well, very I much guess I mean, fall. Yeah, I was. I guess I'm talking more like lore. Do you have like jetpacks or something? Yeah, it's just like it's your your initial jump is pretty high, like higher than it's ever been in a Call of Duty game, like approximately mm. Halo-ish. Mm, and then the wow. second jump goes from there, approximately the same height. And then you can you can also dash while you're in the air after either of those jumps. So, um, the so that basic mobility change and like the difference in your traversal options and like capability radically shifts like the map design in that game like the maps feel a lot more like halo maps than they do call of duty maps at least some of them some of them are still very call of duty ish um but the multiple points of egress uh to almost any section of a map uh in the sort of verticality without clear ways in is is really different than any call of duty has ever been uh and it makes for a game that can feel very different um also i don't know if this is because uh it's pre-production and so stuff isn't finished but one of the things about ghost last year that i think we talked about i don't know anthony if you were in on this conversation or not was that uh 
with the introduction of women soldiers, which are also in this, um, the initial reveal trailer for ghosts showed some very graphic knife kills, like stabbing people in the throat. And that's sort of been a thing that's been in Call of Duty for a while. Uh, so now when you melee attack, you're punching with your exosuit. And so, oh, so it's just like a super punch. Yes, and people get <laughs> fucking knocked out, like, and just do they go thr- flying? Yes, they most See, I certainly feel, I do. I feel like that ends up being less gruesome and more satisfying. Right. So that's you know, the thing. Know, like, I didn't want to see someone get jacked through the fucking throat with a with a knife blade, um, and that was refreshing to see. Uh, mm. But it, watching that happen also underlined the fact that l- this game is less about cameras with arms than I think any Call of Duty game ever has been. There's a much more tactile, like cohesive relationship between the characters and the environment. Um, Mm -hmm. So when you see people running around, it seems like they're like navigating it, like they're touching the ground, that they're not ice skating on it. Um, And I, I just feel like that really changes the way that you get around. It like changes the way that you get maybe do or don't get caught on environmental geometry and things like that. Um, it also suggests a greater emphasis on esports, which they're saying they're talking up a really big game about that right now. Um, that they're building in better observer modes and uh, spectator modes. Right, so all that third-person camera stuff has to look better. But they haven't showed any of that stuff yet, so it's hard to know. But like in the trailer, you can see people in third person, and and when you die, there's a camera mode that is very much like the camera in Halo when you die and that you can navigate up and around and, and change altitude in a way that you never could in a call of duty game. Mm. Um, so there's, there's something very different happening, uh, with regards to the level design and traversal and character relationships to the environments. Um, that is a pretty radical departure for call of duty, but then you've got the gunplay, which feels very much like call of duty with the exception of some very different new weapons. Um, my favorite of which is the minority report shotgun. <laughs> Why uh, is that the minority report? Shotgun? So did you, you I, don't s- know the, I don't know the movie. Well, enough. I don't remember minority report shotgun. Uh, so like it's the handheld gun that, that he would like flip in the air and like it would reload it and it send out this force blast. Hmm. Oh, like it was like a force shotgun. Yeah. So it's a directed energy shotgun, uh, that, so here's the thing it does like a crazy amount of damage it has a widespread like a shotgun would but it has a very specific cutoff point and you can see where it stops so playing with it it's very satisfying but you know that there's a limit to what you can do with it which is very different than previous call of duty games with their artillery cannons that they called shotguns (laughs) where you could nail somebody across the map yeah exactly uh that's not that's literally impossible with the directed energy shotgun. Um, and then playing against it, you can't be killed from across the map and you can see where their threat radius stops because there's that visual effect, like showing the end of the shotgun blast. And that's really cool and adds like a whole new set of considerations with that shotgun. And then there's like directed sustained beam weapons, which are really cool and feel much more in place in a halo game. But with all of that, there's still like the, guns that call of duty is known for and they're bringing pick 10 back except now it's pick 13 so it's so funny to me because like i this just feels like we're circling back around in the long arc of first person multiplayer shooters you know when you think about things like quake and the mods like rocket arena and you know the the first half-life multiplayer and all that kind of stuff it was all 
fast and vertical with, uh, you know, like um, jump pads and teleporters and your your weapons were so very different. Like you had directed beam weapons and you had shotguns, which had right. a very limited range that you only used in specific purposes. And then for the longest time, uh, first person shooters became very focused on, you know, like single level terrain, you know, like versus players. Uh, with maybe some staircases, a lot slower, not a whole lot of fast movement, you know, like guns that had like very minor, very minor variations between them. And uh, except, you know, with maybe the exception of like a rocket launcher or something like that. And we experienced that for so long. Things were so grounded in some kind of reality. And it feels like this game is, uh, I felt this a little bit with Black Ops 2, but it definitely feels like with this one, uh, it's coming back around to kind of that legacy. I wonder if it's just that the player base, um, there's so many more players now that are used to playing dual stick shooters on consoles that uh, developers aren't as afraid with doing things that involve lots of high movement and verticality. Whereas before it was like, oh, you know, being having a first person shooter on a controller is really hard. We have to slow everything down. And, you know, Halo, you know, being the prime example of that. It feels like things are coming back around the other way. I don't know that it's that so much as just from a technical point of view. Like, it is easier to have multi-tiered levels where you can see around geometry, where you can get up and touch spots. Because, like, and this is actually to a degree the case in Advanced Warfare as well, but less so than previous games. There are a shitload of invisible walls all over a Call of Duty level to keep you from getting places, maybe not as many as there should be. Um, (laughs) But, uh, like, those levels are very much like houses of cards, and this feels less like a house of cards. Uh, And I think another place where that comes through is that in Pick 13, in the loadout screen between maps, like, once you start screwing around with your loadouts, if you tap the Y button, you go into a virtual firing range, like, immediately. And oh, you, so you can test it? You can, yeah, you can play it with all your shit and see how it fires and see if you like the way that it controls or the way that you're, lo- you're loaded out. That's just, that seems like it's going to be... That's smart. That was like one of my favorite parts Super of something smart. like a Loadout as well. That right. game had that test range. Mm. Like, it's it's incredibly intuitive. And like it's like one of those, holy shit, this is next-gen Call of Duty moments. Like, which Ghosts never really had. Nope. Um, and also, lobbies are virtual rooms where you can see everybody's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes the, the character customizations that they've made. Uh, which ties into their loot system because now there's a loot drop system in Call of Duty. <laughs> um, as you play, like you will get supply drops for like fulfilling various challenges and like playing for certain amounts of time, and those will have cosmetic items as well as special alternate versions of weapons with stats tweaked slightly in some direction. <laughs> um, and they're big on this because they think that it's going to power that sort of like aggressive hearthstone, like RPG kind of idea of loot drops in a game. I'm a little concerned about balance. Sounds like that. Well, it sounds to me like the same thing that team fortress two does, you know, like you have a baseball bat and then you have, you know, like 50 variations on the baseball bat that all have stats pushed in negative and positive directions. And it just depends on like what kind of play style you're going for. Right. And it seems like damage, but makes you slower. Right. Exactly. And as long as as long as the these loot drops have that kind of balancing in play, they there's models for them to follow. I mean, like Call of Duty has never been shy about borrowing from any other game that they see fit. Sure. So I mean, like 
if they're borrowing, you know, the test range thing from loadout, uh, do you think that uh, the double jump and the dash is a direct response to Titanfall, or did it start out that uh, way? I don't... It's I feel hard like, to I say. Feel like, I feel like some of that comes from... There's probably just been a long-standing desire in Call of Duty to add more verticality to levels, in a sense, yeah. and I've always felt like, to some extent, they've been limited in that by the fact that if you do, you have to use like a slow-ass ladder or a staircase, right? and that determines a lot of the way your level loadout's layout's going to be and with the ability to do a double jump it just offers up a lot of yeah. really new potential places from the good my only worry with that is the you know that's a challenging thing to do and not have it feel like even more so than people complain about with other call of duty games it's just like get shot from anywhere you know what i mean like, right so the the thing like every game has things that it has to worry about for balance if it has a competitive aspect right so mm-hmm. like you have to worry about gun balance and you have to worry about level balance and you have to worry about spawn balance. <laughs> and there are so many different things in advanced warfare that can like adversely affect balance that I wonder if they can get everything right. Like, because yeah. they're going with map design that they've never had before a loot system that they've never had before, like traversal that they've never had before pick 13, uh, which like pick ten already like is a pretty min maxi unpredictable difficult yeah. to balance thing, and so adding three more points and then letting people uh, really change the way that they do their streaks and adding cooperative score streaks like there are so many different things that they're adding that they've never done before or that are new to the series that I don't know if they'll be able to balance everything <laughs> what in is, a way that makes sense. What is the uh, like a Sorry, wait, hold on. I just got completely distracted. Look at that. My brain just went poof. Did I say was it co-op score streaks? I mean, uh... Oh, 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 sorry, my brain's back. What is, <laughs> what, is the other, back what is 13 to 3? Like, what is the three things they're adding? Like, how do you go from... Because pick 10, I was like, okay, you get three perks. Like, you know, like the weapon with two attachments, blah, 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 grenades, blah. But, like, how do they bump and get up? So, score streaks are back. Uh, replacing kill streaks, I think. I don't think kill streaks are in it anymore. I think it's just score streaks. Mm-hmm. Um... Consider a score streak a weapon, and how every weapon has modifications. Score uh, streaks now now do as well. Okay. Um, wow. So that is like another incredibly difficult thing to balance, and so yeah, the, yeah, that's a whole new system. Yeah, the example uh, that I'm using right now because it's the easiest to sort of establish is let's say you have a score streak that lets you set down a turret, like an auto turret, mm-hmm. um, and a modification might let that turret fire rockets instead of bullets. Uh, another modification lets you go to that turret and snap it off its base like you would in Halo and carry it around and use it as a weapon. Mm. Whereas, like, another modification might let you get that streak sooner. Mm. Like, it, you will need less points to get it. Mm. And there are tons of these things for every streak, and so it just seems, like, really easy for things not to be uh, balanced in a way that they should be. And and the thing that sort of heartens me is that they it seems like they're really focusing on the competitive scene with yeah. this with this release of Call of Duty. Like they are focusing very heavily on esports and esports was brought up apropos of nothing at the event that I went to repeatedly and when I talked to uh Condry about it he talked about there was worry that catering to the competitive crowd might not serve the base, but that every time they've done something for that 1%, it seems to have improved the experience for everybody else. And so 
they have people in the studio that have been esports competitors uh, ostensibly like working to help them balance it and they voice concerns over some of the stuff so they're moving with that stuff in mind but like they've really got to be Johnny on the spot with balance updates because you look at something like Titanfall and Titanfall has had five balance changes like five massive updates with balance changes since March yeah I have no doubt that there will be regular Call of Duty patches Uh, but Call of Duty I don't think any Call of Duty game has seen balance changes that often no, Black Ops really. 2 actually has balance changes pretty regularly. If you follow David Vondahar on Twitter, mm-hmm. like I do, he tweets about them all the time. And it'll be something like, tomorrow we're changing the AK-47 from 3.42 to 3.62 damage per well, and Black yeah, like, o- and Yeah, and Black Ops 2 was designed so that they could push stuff like that really quickly and really easily. And, and they you don't collected, even notice. Yeah, you don't even notice. And they, co- and they collect a ton of, like, back-end user data so that they can find results and see the heat maps on, like, you right. know, where everybody's dying and what weapons they're using. And they collect all that data. So, I mean, like, Treyarch has been on that from the get-go. So it, w- it wouldn't surprise me at all if, you know, that's spread to the larger Call of Duty development environment. Right. Um, Hope so. So that's Treyarch, Hope though. Hope so, too. Where this is Sledgehammer, and Treyarch is assuredly sure. working on their own Call of Duty game right now. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and that will be the next one we see, like, next year. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that balance will be the biggest challenge. But I, I do think I'm I'm interested in the, in the esports stuff they're doing, because, like, we've mm-hmm. talked about it on the show before, that we're just sort of waiting to see who gets spectator mode right, because that might end up being, like, the shooter that dominates... Uh, esports in a way that we haven't really seen. Yeah. And Mitch is totally distracting me right now. Taking over the headset. He's had to plug in a he's the worst well, person in the world. <laughs> well, there's money. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's definitely like esports money on the table just waiting to be picked up for whoever figures out the model. I mean, clearly, right? Because you have games that sell like tens and 10 or 20 or 30 million copies, mm-hmm. but no shooter has ever enjoyed like a viewer base like what we're seeing yep. with the MOBA stuff. Yeah. Like and they tried to they tried to like sort of uh backroom engineer it through Call of Duty Elite, but it never quite no, worked for them. Never. Like it, it, like you know, Call of Duty Elite, uh, all of the technical issues aside, I'm talking mostly just about the video content and the shows that they try to do around competitive multiplayer gaming and it never really worked. Right. Because that like it's not about the footage later and it's it's like it is not fun to watch people play a first person shooter like it's fun to enjoy someone being rad at things but like it's not a intelligible you like viewer experience and Condry was very cognizant of that and talked about how like the biggest changes in like quote real sports have a lot to do with the spectator experience. Like in the, yep. the example he uses the 10 yard line in football or oh, yeah. like showing where the puck is in hockey or mm-hmm. like the sort of viewer experience of, of basketball and how like the stuff that the other example uses, like the changes that professional sports make for professionals helps mm-hmm. like people just playing the game every day. Like people take things from the NBA when they play their pickup games and the same thing with like touch football or soccer or hockey. Yeah. So, so well, it's, it's inspiration too, right? I mean, right. like I was never going to be a great baseball player, but I loved playing baseball, uh, just in the park with, when I was a kid with all my friends, cause we were watching baseball on TV, Yeah, you know, and you were, you were able to latch on to kind of the heroic aspect of it. 
And so, uh, so the best thing out of everything that I played with Advanced Warfare, which is the most esports-like, is they have a new game code game mode called Uplink, uh, mm. and Uplink is basically rugby. Uh, <laughs> there is like oh, there's like a portable ball or something. There is an Uplink, like a, an Uplink device, and each team has an Uplink point. And when you pick up the ball, the uplink point, the uplink device is shaped like a ball. When you pick it up, you can pass it with the left trigger or throw it with the right. Um, If you pass it to an enemy, they lose control of their weapon for a second and you can use your imagination for that. But so if you throw the ball through the uplink point, which is up in the air or it was in the map that I played it on. Oh, you you literally have to shoot it. If you throw it, you get one point. If you carry it through, you get two. Huh? Uh, so there could nice. be the moments where you know you're going to die and you just fucking yes. go for a throw. When you said it was like rugby, I was hoping, and with the new third-person camera, I was hoping it'd just be a whole bunch of dudes in like battle gear with all their heads locked together. The, yeah. pass, the passing <laughs> and stuff is a cool addition, because otherwise, if you weren't able to do that, it'd just be like single flag, capture the flag. Yeah, or like gr- griff ball or whatever. Um, yeah. But just the way that those levels are, that level is laid out and that the way that game mode works, it is very much a sport. And it was definitely the most fun that I had playing that game. Yeah. Like, and like a physical, it was, it was more of a physical thing than anything else that I played. And it's really, it was really good. They don't have any vehicles or any stuff in multiplayer, right? That they showed. So they, I do, would you count a robot suit as a vehicle? I mean, I count it in blacklight. Yeah. So yes, they do. Uh, also the air based score streaks are coming back. Mm. Um, how so, do you take out a robot suit in multiplayer? Bullets. Okay. <laughs> I just, I was, Grenades. I was, just, I was just curious if there was, like, you know, I, counters. I, I don't know yet. I mean, like, if you have anti-vehicle weaponry, then okay. I imagine that'll help. Um, and shit like the X-ray grenade was was in multiplayer and worked really well and was really cool. And I don't know. Nice. It's... I, I I hated ghosts. Mitch can attest to my hatred for ghosts in every every way. I relate to your age. Um, but <laughs> Advanced Warfare seems like it's got a hell of a lot of potential. I liked Modern Warfare 3. So did I. I played a lot of Modern Warfare 3. So I feel like they, you know, I feel like Sledgehammer's done a good job. So I didn't, I, yeah. And they've put together, you know, a whole new studio up there. And a lot of the guys coming off Dead Space and stuff, I would hope that they could make some great stuff. Yeah. I'll so. probably just play the shitty, shitty campaign, play a few matches of multiplayer, and then not go back. That seems to be my, my Call of Duty mode. I know. Off. I haven't played much either. I Call of Duty is like the only shooter I play where there's enough people playing online that I can find a game whenever and just play a couple games and go away. Yeah. Um, and there's so many people playing it that there's always a lot of meat for the grinder that's not me. <laughs> right. uh, if, only, if only you found a new game that had the uh fulfilled the same urges yeah i, I wonder get, what that could be i'm gonna get call of duty for sure just because it's at least a new game that's not an hd remake that i can right. play this year yeah. on my consoles yeah. also it looks really fucking good mm. it oh, looks really? really good what were you guys playing on xbox ones oh, so is- are they is is it uh i assume that it's a next gen and previous gen release right so 100%. i yeah. don't know how that's working because they are can't not talking about the so every press release i get for it it says it's an xbox one and ps4 game and it says something about a version also being in development for xbox 360 and ps3 right like that'll be the uh, comes out later i would guess that 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 one's being done by like you know uh, raven Raven. 
exactly Raven or High Moon, like those studios, you know, or like someone out there is doing those versions. Like a waste, and like I don't know how different that game is going to be at this point. I'm imagining pretty different. Yeah, you'd think it would have to be really different. Um, but yeah, uh, and then I have also been playing uh, Diablo 3 Reaper Souls Ultimate Evil Edition on Xbox One, <laughs> which is the dumbest fucking name for a truly incredible game. Um, hey, guess what? Diablo 3 is still good on consoles. Yeah, who would have thought it? Uh, the Crusader plays like she was designed for a controller. Wow. That makes me happy because I want to play through it again. Yeah, I've still never played the Crusader. I was so, just like trying to level up my uh, my monk. So like when I got the game last week before I went on vacation, I was like, "Well, fuck this! I can't play this until after I get home." Uh, mm-hmm. And also, I was just thinking, I don't know that I need to play this shit for a fourth time mm-hmm. because I reviewed it, and then I reviewed the console version of Diablo three, and then I reviewed the expansion, mm-hmm. and I'm like great more diablo like mm. great i get to start all over again and then i played it for like an hour and i'm like fuck yeah more diablo <laughs> um so and like i could very well play this all weekend wow. it is really good it feels also they've added some shit like now when you're on like a kill streak uh it'll show you when you're on a kill streak and it'll show like this fuse ticking down like between kills to let you know like how much longer you have to kill something before the streak is up um, I've already seen like one new status effect where if you smash a bunch of shit, you get a movement bonus that lasts a certain amount of time. Huh. Uh, That's pretty funny. So it seems like it's they've like, added like a bunch the of shit. Bonus. Yeah. And I don't know how much of this has been added to the PC version in the last two months. Cause I haven't been able to go back, but it's all really cool. Well, for me, it, it feels like, uh, for me minecraft is like your diablo where i keep going back to it because i like I, I i went back to it again uh like earlier this week and i've just been stupid addicted playing minecraft and like brand new map like building things up from scratch farming cows and chickens and mining and finally finding a village and then that village gets overrun by zombies and there's nothing i can fucking do about it and then crying and going back home and farming some sugar cane, you know, like all kinds of crazy shit. Cause there's been so much that's been added into it that I just never tried out like all the enchanting and the books and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I wanted to do the trading. So I'm going to have to find another villager at some, another village at some point. Wait, there's uh, trading. Yeah. You can, you can trade supplies to the villagers for emeralds and then you can trade those emeralds to other villagers for other supplies like enchanted books. So you don't have to build them and things. Um, there's so much crazy shit in that game. It's nonstop. And, like, I was like, oh, my God, all the villagers are dead. Do they respawn? So I looked up to see if they respawn, and they don't. But random zombies can spawn that are zombified villagers. And then if you go to the nether and, like, you collect something and you make a a particular kind of potion, you can cure uh, zombified villagers of their zombieism, and you can basically create a new village. uh, How did the villagers get killed, though? Because, like, if you're near a village when nighttime falls... Monsters will just spawn, and all the villagers uh, will like go into their houses. But like, uh, you know, you get some of those. What are the guys that explode when you get too close to them? Um, I can't remember what those are, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but yeah, you'll get enough monsters that'll spawn around, and like maybe the zombies will break down a door, and just they just slaughter all of the villagers like so fast. And like if the villagers get hit by zombies, they can turn into zombies. Um, so like basically, if you roll up on a village. Uh, and it's the daytime 
Huh? You either have to like build a wall around the village, uh, <laughs> like within a. You uh, have like, to be their defense. Yeah, basically, you have to be. You have to save the village because otherwise, it's just going to get slaughtered. So you either have to like uh, put down a bed and try to sleep, like right when the sun hits hits like the horizon, so that you can just pass through the night without any monsters generating, or you have to be prepared to like save the villages. And I guess some villages spawn with iron golems to help defend them but they're not very good at it um but yeah it's uh i didn't realize any of that shit until i looked it up online and i had no idea the the village villager mechanics had gotten so deep um if you want to create a village just randomly you can find like a zombie spawner in a dungeon and collect the spawner and just like put it on the surface somewhere and just let it keep spawning zombies until it spawns zombie villagers and then try to cure them you're a monster yeah well, no, I mean, like, you spawn zombie villagers and cure the zombie villagers so that you have new villagers. And you can, like, constantly make a bigger and bigger village that way, too. It's, uh, there's, like, all these rules about, like, what a village has to be and, like, the doors, the amount of doors that have to be available. For God, it's like school. It. Yeah, it's crazy shit. But I've been having a lot of fun with it again. And uh, then I, uh, I finally finished The Wolf Among Us and uh, episode four of The Walking Dead season two. Oh, yeah. They were. I had a very good time with both of those experiences. Um, was it episode four that uh, Mitch and Arthur, you guys, thought was throwaway for Walking Dead? I have not played any yet. Walking Dead. That was Marty. Yeah, oh, that was Marty. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's throwaway. I just think it's not as elegantly done as it could have been. I mean, it. I mean, you played it. It handles a lot of major moments. I just felt like those moments were handled poorly. Mm, and is true. now a source of incredible Tumblr controversy. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I, oh. I, I came up yeah, on... Yeah, no, I heard about that. that. Yeah, one of the major character deaths like spawned a lot of controversy. Which <laughs> taught me a new word that I had never heard before, yeah. uh, which is headcanon. Headcanon? I don't even know what that is. Uh, Headcanon is when a fandom of a piece of fiction Mm -hmm. gets together and decides that a character has certain elements of their their background or personality uh like they decide it for themselves and agree that it should be canon like they agree in their head that that is canon Uh, even though it's never officially declared gotcha um i gotcha there were the, the character in question who uh who is dealt with poorly in episode four, uh, has a very active fan base on Tumblr. Hmm. Uh, and that turned into a shit, shit show. Yeah. I read some of the stuff about that shit show and, uh, I can, I can see their point and I can't really talk about it without spoiling it. So it's probably best not to really bring it up. Uh, just to say that like, I can see where they're coming from, but I can also see, uh, maybe why they're reading too much into it. Um, but uh, episodes four and five of uh, The Wolf Among Us, um, I found really enjoyable. Uh, I, I do agree that Snow White's character is like, she has her feet cut out from under her and she never quite gets them back. Um, granted, you know, I was always using the decisions like, okay, Snow White, oh, she's the one in charge. It's, it's her choice. She's the boss. I'm going to do what she says. You know, like whenever those dialogue options came up, uh, but um, I felt like I was kind of fighting an uphill battle against the story by taking those dialogue choices. Um, 
but at the you know at the the end result was I still really enjoy that series, and I hope they have a season two. Me too. And uh, that was my gaming weeks. Mitch, play so many more video games than I do. Shut up, because you played the thing <laughs> that I want to play maybe more than anything else this yeah, fall, Mitch, with, except Mitch, for Halo. You went on great travels to your homeland. I did. <laughs> I visited Braving, Braving, Braving snow and and stuff to find about out Uterland? about how people are hurting dragons. Uh. What? <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that another time, maybe. Uh, yeah, I played Dragon Age Inquisition for about eight hours. Jesus. I can talk, I can talk about a 30 to 45 minutes of that. I want to play. I don't even know if I can talk about my 90 minutes with it at E3 yet. What is up with them? I know. I want to play. Hey, here's uh, this awesome thing, but uh, don't talk about it. Yep. And then I got to play a good chunk of that again from a totally different perspective, and that was really cool. Uh, so about the 30 to 40 minutes that you can talk about, was it as awesome as I want it to be? Yeah, I mean, God, dude. I, I, it's weird to play a game for eight hours and then yeah. walk away feeling like you have accomplished nothing. <laughs> in, like, in like an amazing way in the yeah. sense that I've scratched the surface of this but just barely mm. I've seen so little because there's so much depth here mm. I got so distracted because it's I mean it's not open world but what they do is they throw you into an area and it's like yeah. okay you are in like the Dalish Plains and it's this is where like some shit went down with some elves mm-hmm. and if you look around there's like it, the world is so dense with interesting things to see Mm-hmm. And even if there's nothing to do, even if you're not finding caves or you're not finding citizens that are lost or whatever or starving or dealing with their own shit or being attacked by bandits or whatever's going on, you can walk around an area and just look at something and go like, man, like something happened here. There's an amazing hmm. sense of place in this world in the in a way that... So the environment tells a story. Big time. I mean, there's a, a section that... No, never mind. I don't think I can talk about that yet. Mm. Um, but yeah, there are, there are giant sections where it's just very clear that... I know, sorry. I mean, they're being weird about the embargo. Uh, they're just giant swaths of that game that exist in a way that it's like... It, there's just history there. In a, it, and it's history that I want to explore, like, between yeah. Orlais and between Ferelden. It's just... It, it explores pieces of Thetis' history and conflict in ways that it hasn't before, because with Inquisition, and this is the reason for your character's existence, everything is going sideways at yeah. once. Yeah. The the Inquisitor's return is is necessitated by the opening of a fade rift in Thetis, like, okay, there's a giant fucking space hole in the world, dragons come through, and there's monsters, we gotta close it up. And amid all of that, there is a civil war between a nation, there is the war between the Chantry and the Mages that has finally exploded, and mm. at this point, I mean, in in previous Dragon Age games, you would either side with the religious crazy people or the uh, murderous crazy people. Right. <laughs> and now, but it never really meant anything, right? Because you yeah. would you would just side for it, and it was part of your story yeah. as a, a in the moment thing, and it wasn't hugely impactful on the long term, you know, saving the world part. Whereas this is at some point in Dragon Age Inquisition, you have to pick a side. Like, all right, we are going to fucking annihilate the mages. Or we are going to rise up against the Chantry and burn them to the ground. You have to make that choice. And that is super, super exciting. And if you ever play these games and you know their lore at all, Mm -hmm. like that's probably really exciting to you. But what if if there's 
I was going to say there's no option to sow peace between the factions. No. <laughs> well, what if I'm a, like, you know, Anthony that didn't play Mass Effect 1 yeah. and just jumped straight into 2, never played Dragon Age 1 or 2? Yeah, so the interesting thing about Dragon Age compared to Mass Effect, where, you know, you could jump into Mass Effect 3 and have no context for who these characters are, who's been there long term, uh, and you would be driving at the end of Shepard's story, it's harder to understand than I think Inquisition would be, because Inquisition yeah. is less about a character, it's more about the world. And this is the turmoil of a world. And you're not playing. You're not playing the Dragon no. Age equivalent of a shepherd. It's a new yeah, person. No, but, because but your great warden in Dragon Age Origins is out there somewhere, maybe depending on how that game went for you. And Hawk, the main character of Dragon Age Two, is a secondary character of some kind in Inquisition. So they're around. Wee moment when uh, when I saw Hawk show up in the in that tre- teaser trailer that they posted. I did too. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even notice it the first time I watched it. Now, I didn't notice it either until uh, what's his bucket from Bioware posted about it on Twitter. Is like, yes, that is Hawk, and no, the character standing next to Hawk is not uh, is not the hero of Ferelden from Dragon. No, Age. it's Orphans. Hawk's brother. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, so, that's so I mean, awesome. so Matt, <laughs> we're geeking out about like <laughs> specific things. So, yeah. Anthony, like you, you've never played these games. You probably don't give a shit about the world, but Inquisition. Yeah. Might I mean, it. I want to, but I just sure. for whatever reason when I tried to play Dragon Age two. I just, I didn't have the patience to do, okay, let me say this, like, you know, when I played Mass Effect 1, one of the things I didn't like about it is how often I had to pause to mm-hmm. do the combat because the shooting was pretty ineffectual. Like, on its own, you know, it didn't feel that great. Yeah. And then with Mass Effect 2 and 3, I felt like they really were like, hey, let's make the shooting feel pretty good, too. Yeah. You know, and you could play it largely like a shooter and just occasionally issue orders. And so when I played, uh, you know, Dragon Age, I couldn't play it like a hack and slash game, right? You yeah. know, and rely on my guys. On PC. It. Yeah. And so, and so I was like, I, that kind of eventually, maybe I just didn't end up, I just fell off of it either way. And I'm just like wondering, like, you know, like maybe this will be the one in the same way Mass Effect 2 was like, all right, I'm fucking on board. No, yeah. I don't I think mean, so. No, normally, well, I mean, normally so? I'm, well, no, I, I'm the, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm the, uh, normally I'm the kind that wants like all of the tactical options and everything to be in my RPGs and also normally I'm the kind of guy who avoids all gaming media of games that I'm like really excited to see come out but I've been like sucking up all of the Dragon Age things like as soon as they come out and they've had some really interesting gameplay demos where they've showed the characters being effective doing nothing but <coughs> hacking and slashing with all of your party members being on AI and they've like just because they've had, they've switched and like showed you know tactical modes, the new tactical modes, and the way that that can work too, and how you can play that way too. I've so I don't know. I felt like in Dragon Age two, uh, I could switch between tactical and just pressing buttons and hacking and slicing on my own, uh, almost at will. Okay. So. This, but playing it for a good amount of time, this seems like the most tactically demanding Dragon Age game by far. Like, to the point where... More so than one? Yes, because now shit like dragons have location-specific damage Mm. that is really, really important. And the only way that you can do shit with that is by, like, manually, like, targeting stuff. Like, having other people do stuff while you go up and attack spots on the dragon. But most of the combat isn't dragon combat. It's you're running around a dungeon and you walk into a room and four blood mages and they're going, Oh shit, you found us! Right. And Mm -hmm. you just... Not but now there's also spell combos 
like which require coordination and yeah and you can if you want to use that shit and you you absolutely don't have to it is awesome to do it but yeah. if you're like anthony and you just want to play it as a kind of a hack and slash action rpg that option is totally there and it works uh especially the gamescom demo the bog like the big spooky nighttime stormy rainy area they had at gamescom mm-hmm. uh that area especially was meant for like anthony and i to just be like all right i don't give a shit about this tactical thing there are hordes of zombies coming out of the area i am a kunari with a two-handed axe i'm going to kill everything with just different combinations of skills and not really worry about freezing them and then poisoning them then light the poison on fire or whatever did that demo also like the e3 demo have infinite stamina and mana no for characters okay no no Yeah, and uh, I ran out of health potions. Like, it's a hard game at points, uh, which I probably could have avoided those challenges had I used the tactical camera a lot more thoughtfully, but I don't know. I I like the feel of the combat this time around more than I did even in Dragon Age 2, which Mm -hmm. I liked. I think a lot of people don't, and I totally understand why, but I like Dragon Age 2 quite a bit. I liked Dragon Age 2's story and systems, but the game balance sucked. Uh, Yeah. And the encounter, the level design sucked. The encounter design was really bad. (laughs) It was really bad. Yeah. Uh, But Inquisition, I mean, the problem, that problem doesn't exist this time around because the spaces are so vast. Even when you're in a a structure, like a linear structure where you're in a castle or whatever, it still just feels big because there's so many places to go. Uh, Which, that doesn't feel terribly new. It feels a lot like Origins in that respect where you're wandering a keep or something. But I don't know the 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 idea of zooming out and going to your keep, like going to Skyhold, which is the place where you basically command and you sit on a throne and you give orders and you fucking give justice to people who have wronged you, and then you go to your war table and you look at the resources you have and the power and the influence that you have earned over time and spend that on operations. Like, oh, this bridge is really fucked up, so we're gonna go send a bunch of guys to fix it and we're going to spend you know x amount of power to do it and that'll give us access to an entirely new area that we might never have got to had i spent that power somewhere else mm. cool um did they talk to talk anymore about like the secrets that are hidden in every section of the map is that a thing i don't know that yeah so like there's stuff marked on your map in every like area you go to but there there is at least one totally secret, hard-to-find area in every section. That's like, really cool. With something worth finding. I nice. wonder if that's related to the... Um, so, at, at certain points, uh, and you see this in the Gamescom demo, like that bog level, There's uh, if you have a mage in your party, and you go up to one of these giant totems, you light a fire with magic, and it creates this veil fire, which attracts zombies to kill, but it also, if you're carrying it after a fight, and you're just walking around, you might see runes pop up on a wall. And you have to decipher like what this means and where it's leading you, and those lead to secrets. That could be it. Could be related. Well, as long as my uh, character in Inquisition can have sex with my hawk from Dragon Age Two, then I will consider it a need. win. Yep. That's all you need. Uh, if I don't review this game, this will totally become my Christmas game. Uh, Two hundred hours, though. Is that what you said, Mitch? Something like that. Yep. I'm. That's that's to see everything. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. What I will do is more likely, like, I will take critical path and then get mildly distracted along the way, and probably the same, I, it will take me probably, I bet, the same amount of time it took me to play through Origins and Dragon <laughs> I'll Which probably like do it my... 90 hours. Yeah, it'll probably be my Skyrim game, where, you know, I'll do 
I'll play probably 80 to 100 hours to get through the main story and be lots of side distractions, and then I'll go back and do lots of shit afterwards. Yeah, yeah see, I'll, I'll play through it once and then never play it again. <laughs> <laughs> but that one time <laughs> will be great. I don't know, yeah. man. I don't typically get super distracted in demos because I want to see, you know, what yeah. it has to offer. And I didn't finish this demo because I dicked around too much. I spent too much time going <laughs> off the beaten path, um, looking in cabins, seeing what happened mm-hmm. to people. The last time I played a demo of a game like that was for Deus Ex Human Revolution, I think. Mm. Like, where there was, like, the first section of the game up to the first main mission open. Yeah. And, like, I just fucked around and did as much as I could in that and felt, like, a little hollow at the end because I didn't get to keep anything. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shit. should we take a break? Uh, if we take a short break... And then yeah. come back with a couple letters because M- Mitch and I have a thing soon. The recreational. Yep. Yes. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Time to close Fandango and not look at movie times. <laughs> and get ready for a letter in your mouth. Alright. Um, so this guy, whose name is Seamus, but he says pronounced Shamus, which... Okay. That's no, weird. It's, not. it's S-E-A-M-U-S. That's Seamus. Yeah, Seamus. So, well, what about like S-E-A-N Sean? That's not... Shame. That's seen, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying his name is Shamus, but that's not how he's Shamus. Yeah. Right, but yeah. it's spelled the same as Sh- fuck this conversation. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he can want his stuff pronounced however he wants. Well, no, he can't. There are rules in the world about language. I'm not tired of the Celts taking over our language. <laughs> so he says, "My little brother and I." He says, "My little brother and I grew up playing video games together. Uh huh. Super Dodgeball, Street Fighter, Mario Kart. Now we live a separate." And uh, he games pretty exclusively on PC while he says, I spend my time gaming on console. Uh-huh. PS4 and rarely a Mac. So he says, he heard us talk about Rust and he got him to try it out with him. They had a blast for a couple months, but then his brother Rage quit after a particularly demoralizing ambush. Understandable. Never go back. (laughs) Uh, So he's saying they just begun to reconnect the games. So he's asking us, can we think of any other good multiplayer games that will do PC to Mac gameplay? Mm. Dota, right? Dota! Yeah. Dota does it. But you guys both have to commit to the suffering that is learning Dota 2. Honestly, I mean, or just play League of Legends. Dota, League of Legends both do that. Uh, I think a lot of free-to-play games are usually pretty good about trying to support both. Uh, I don't know if they're into city civilization building these games, but Civ Civ 5 is cross-platform, isn't it? I believe. Uh, I think you're right. And that's sure one of you. That is a good game. You make a Skype call and nine hours go by. Yep. yep. <laughs> Team Fortress 2 is Mac, PC. Mm. Yeah. Um, I would say free to play games are going to be your biggest boon. What about Left 4 Dead? Is that cross platform play? I would imagine. I mean, anything Valve makes play. probably yeah. is. I would think so. Yeah. I'd, I mean, you would think so, but that's not a yes. 
I would I would check into that before I uh, Portal before I commit. is uh, PlayStation and uh, PC. God, it's so point. good. Oh, man, Everything I, I'm reading about Left 4 Dead says it does support cross-platform play. Okay, I just keep that's finding good. Valve games that I want to yeah, play. Yeah, Counter Strike Go. You you can't lose with Portal. Don't play Counter Strike Go. I, I think Matt's what? right. Play through play through Portal what? too. And if you guys get it through Steam, then you can do the uh, the the uh, Steam like a uh, God. What's it called? Where you can download player-made levels because there's a oh, shit ton. Oh yeah. Of- Really great player made content. Yeah, that's true. There's a we'll ton of it. Can we go back to the part where Arthur is hating on Counter Strike? I'm not hating on Counter Strike Go. I'm hating on the fucking community. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, there's. But that's it. That's just it. Like, I think if you go to free to play games and Valve games, yeah, you can find a lot of those. And and again, World of Warcraft. A lot of MMOs will support that too. If you guys wanted to dive headlong into an MMO, it's true. Um, oh, that remind. That was the other game I played. <laughs> Actually, like almost. 15 or 16 hours of this week was Elder Scrolls Online, but we can talk about that later. Wow. Or, okay. like, next week or whatever. Uh, so, yeah. Again, another MMO that's cross-platform. Yeah. Free-to-play and free-to-play MMOs are probably a good way to go, if you're into that sort of stuff. But, man, you know, Civ Five, like, Anthony and I played quite a bit of that a couple, three weeks ago or whatever, multiplayer, and it was fun. Yeah. It was good shit. Fun is the good. Game is still good shit. Uh, I like and then the here's a me. here's a question that we get all the time, but we'll answer it too, just in the most generalities of senses, senses, senses. <laughs> uh, this guy named Berend, which is a pretty cool name. He's from it South is. Africa. Huh. He says he's going to build a new PC, mm-hmm. and he says he bought a PC uh, seven years ago with the launch of the PS3 and Xbox. Jesus. And, and he wanted he wanted it to be like on par with being able to play Xbox and PS3 games at similar settings. Yeah. yeah. And so now he's going to do the same thing. That's what he wants to do. He wants a wow. computer that's going to be up to snuff for PS4, you know, Xbox One gen. And he says, nice. he says, what do you think is the minimum hardware specs I need for? He says, uh, to get some longevity, is an i7 necessary or will an i5 suffice? And as a graphics card side, will a 660 GT have enough power? What no. do you think? No, no, no. no. absolutely so not. i7 is not necessary. I have one and I don't regret getting one because it's fucking great. Uh, I would actually but. say that as time goes on, the i7s are going to, like, demonstrate their versatility with games because yeah, I mean, especially if you want longevity. Like the the minute the games stop being cross plat or cross generation is when your PC will start getting the shit kicked out of us mm-hmm. out of it, and it's already started. Yeah, like it like the cross gen games that came out on PC last year did not treat PC well. Um, so I was still able to play most of them on my five-year-old PC. Right, able to play and play them well are not necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it depends on what kind of standards you're looking for. If you're looking for something that like pretty much looks like it does on, you know, like it did on 360 or slightly better than 360 or PS3, then yeah, I could. But I definitely couldn't play them at like you know PC awesome levels. Yeah, right. I would say it's probably worth it splurging a bit more than you think mm-hmm. you need to. Especially because uh, if he wants this to be his primary platform, which he says he does, yeah. because he says that acquiring games in South Africa, it will always be cheaper to buy a PC game than a sure. console game there. Yeah. yeah. So I'm um, surprised. I, the more you spend right now, the, less, the longer you'll be able to go without spending money. Um, yeah, that's totally true. Also, I think NVIDIA is about to announce some new video cards, if they haven't already. So, wait. 
a couple of weeks at least. Well, I was going to say, those 290s, I think they finally came down in price slowly over time. They did, but if NVIDIA releases new incredibly competitive cards, then AMD will lower the prices on their shit. Oh. No. Just buy a Titan Z. That'll keep you well, yeah, hold over for a few years. Yeah. Also, sell your kidneys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one. Both. Just sell one. Both of them. <laughs> Just get hooked up to a machine so you have a reason to ever leave the house. I can't leave the house. I don't have kidneys anymore. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Want to play a PC game with me? Left 4 Dead works on Max. <laughs> I actually use my blood instead of water in my liquid cooling. <laughs> and it goes back to my body through the liquid cooler. So The liquid cooler filtration system, it doubles your how, kidneys. Exactly. That's how fucking elite <laughs> you're going to be. Um, anyway, uh, also, like, processor comes into play when you do things like if you decide you want to stream and i think more and more pc gamers are like looking into streaming like your processor is incredibly important in that um so yeah get the i7 all right so do that if you uh i want people to start sending us questions again yeah and it's it's letters at you dash leave dash game.com and Gamescom. Oh, did I break up for a second? Yes, yep. you sound awful. <laughs> you gotta do that whole thing again. <laughs> Alright, I'm saying send some letters in. The letters at eat-sleep-game.com and send them in about game stuff. Maybe if you're excited from Gamescom or if you went to Gamescom, tell us what that was like. Games you think we should play. I don't know. Yeah. People have been sending, like, I, I see a lot of people talk about online games that I haven't played in a long Like, I haven't done that in a long time. Played, a, like, a browser game? People talk about all kinds of awesome-sounding browser games. Mm. On Newgrounds or something? Like a site... I don't know. Danielle plays a bunch of stuff on um, Itch.io. It sounds awesome. It's just like a browser where people like make their games and put them on there, like Newgrounds style. I don't know. A bunch of cool oh. shit up there. Uh, Easy. Well, a shot. send us some letters about video games. Be creative. I don't know. And if you guys are going to PAX, it's coming up. Remember, we have a Rebel FM panel. Also, I'm going to PAX. Also, uh, you know, come say hi to us. And, uh, yeah. Remember, we're all on Twitter. I'm at Chuff Money. Mitch is at Mitchie D. Arthur is at A-E-G-I-E-S. And Matt is at Talking Orange. Uh, you should also follow to find out what Matt's doing with Area 5. You can follow Outer Lands Doc on Twitter mm-hmm. and find out how the uh, awesome Kickstarter they funded a while ago is going. As well as, you know... You can probably, if you look at the Outer Lands doc profile, does it have the slackerbacker details there? Um, um, you know, that's a good idea. It really should. Yeah, link. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to Humble Bundle, you can find out about how yeah. to, to get on the Outer Lands doc stuff in case you didn't, when it was a Kickstarter. And there's and if, a, uh, I just want to say real quick, there's a new Kickstarter that just launched. It's not an Area 5 Kickstarter, but we're heavily involved in the project. And if it actually succeeds, then we'll be on the production and post-production crew for a 3D uh, concert film slash documentary starring the electronica duo Infected Mushroom. All right. So if you go to bit.ly, bit.ly slash Infected 3D, you can see all about that Kickstarter. Could be awesome. Yeah. Check that out. And then also go to IGN where you can read all those stories that Mitch writes up and all the ways that he f- and you can see all the content that he finds ways to make as an excuse to play Dota. Um, <laughs> and then if you go to polygon.com, you can read uh, reviews about video You games. can check out my very long article on Advanced Warfare and a 
overview I did with Griffin McElroy about it that is pretty nice. good. And then, uh, and then if you go to Anthony needs the job right now. <laughs> dot internet. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys see any uh, openings, just a reminder: there's some very, very uh, great and nice willed, like good intentioned uh, Rebel FM listeners who send me jobs all the time on Twitter. But you send me programmer jobs, and to clarify. I am not a programmer. <laughs> I do not know that sort of scripting. Um, but if you see designer jobs, totally send them my way, and that's cool. And you are I, Unreal Engine educated. Yes, I am very Unreal Engine educated. But people sometimes I just think think that I I just like you know could write code, and that's right. far from the truth. So, all right. And with that, we're gonna leave you all. Everyone, wish. Uh, Mitch and Arthur some retroactive congrats on their future recreational games because chances are they're probably sitting sulking right now as they have to listen to this after getting fucking just destroyed. <laughs> Thanks for that vote of confidence. <laughs> Alright. Love you. And with that, we're done.